earth, I thought that'd probably be appropriate. We'll do the uh, pledges. And I know it's not something we do all the time and every time, but I, I thought, you know, being 4th of July, falling on a Sunday, I thought it would be good uh, to go ahead and do that. Uh, open your Bibles and how important it is uh, that we can be strengthened uh, on the inside. We, we've talked a lot about, uh, or rather we hear about a lot, uh, exercise and our physical strength and taking good care of our, our physical bodies. And uh, I believe it's so important and so appropriate at church that we would be talking about uh, strengthening our inner man and making sure that spiritually uh, we are strengthened in this life. And as we think about 1 Corinthians 9, uh, and spiritual discipline is not to be a heavy imposition of religious rules or traditions. Uh, in other words, uh, we're not... Uh, it, we're not going to, uh, I don't expect you to go to the spiritual gym and work out and become one of those super buff uh, people. You ever see those, those people, they lift weights and they are super buff and uh, that does not happen by accident, okay? They didn't just wake up one morning and, uh, and say, wow, look at, I'm ripped uh, and, and I am tough. That, that happens because, man, they dedicate a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money to, to getting to that position in their life. And, uh, and so while I would love it if every Christian uh, were in, in that state, spiritually speaking, uh, I, do don't, I do not think that's a practical aspect, but I do think uh, that, hey, we can, taking care of ourselves, spiritually speaking, and doing exercise, spiritually speaking, and, uh, and, and eating right, spiritually speaking, that, hey, we can be very fit and very good Christians, even if we're not um, superheroes or super strong or, uh, I don't know the right word there, probably not superheroes, but uh, um, like those bodybuilders, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so I, I don't want us to think it's, it's a heavy imposition uh, of religious rules and traditions that we have to adhere to, uh, but a Christian who is passionate to live a life pleasing to his Creator willingly places himself under complete submission to the Holy Spirit of God just as an athlete places himself under the training of a coach. And so uh, that's certainly true. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24 We'll look there, and, and Paul makes an analogy of sporting events and, and of those things. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, the Bible says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway." Uh, let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word, Father, and to think about uh, this idea of spiritual discipline and being disciplined Christians. And God, I pray that you would 
use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart and help us as Christians, Father, to be uh, spiritually disciplined in our lives. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Being July 4th and, uh, and thinking about spiritual disciplines, um, perhaps a good analogy would be not so much equating it to a uh, the bodybuilders that are, are big and strong and, and have lots of muscle falling all over the place, uh, but perhaps a soldier. Most of your soldiers, uh, they're very strong and they're very disciplined people. Matter of fact, uh, uh, the military pushes them through uh, all kinds of uh, exercises and, and things to make them disciplined soldiers. And, uh, and they get to that point in their life uh, because of uh, the... the uh, course they run, or maybe not the course, but the, uh, the classes, that's not the right word, the basic training, that's it, uh, that they have to go through that puts them uh, in that place in their life where, uh, where they, are, they follow the command of their commanding officer. And, uh, and so we need to think about that as far as spiritual discipline and this idea of being disciplined in our bodies um, and spiritually speaking, our culture has dramatically changed over the past several decades. There is no doubt about that. Uh, people once believed in temperance and moderate, moderation, uh, in orderliness and personal discipline. And now it seems like people are more pushed towards rebellion, uh, disorderly, uh, things of that nature. I was at a store the other day, and, uh, and I was just... I. I learned a long time ago uh, when I was when you sit in airports for a long time, you you have a lot of time on your hands and uh, traveling like that. Uh, I learned that in airports, it's interesting just to sit and watch people, observe people. And uh, if you've been in, <laughs> Bob knows, if you've been in airports and you've sat around, you there's really not much you can do. You just sit around and and uh, and you kind of observe people as you're waiting for flights or whatnot. And, and the other day I was sitting at a store and, and I, I was just observing people. And I wasn't, I'm not making a judgment call or anything of that nature, but I'm just observing people and the society that we have today. And, and it is so different than even 10 or even 15 years ago. It just is. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, you may have seen somebody with a different colored hair, but it was rare. Today, it's almost common. Uh, you may have seen somebody with uh, a piercing in their face or eyebrow or something like that 10 years ago. Today, it's commonplace. I mean, it's just everywhere. Uh, it, 10 years ago, even 20 years ago, uh, you would not see people, people generally speaking, uh, dressed up to go out. Now, I'm not saying real fancy. I'm not saying a shirt and a tie. Though 50 years ago, they did. Just to go, down, go downtown, uh, to go to a store or go to a restaurant, uh, the, a man would put a tie on and, and go out. Uh, that was not uncommon. Uh, and then even, you know, 10, 20 years ago, hey, they, they at least, man, they, they, they tucked their shirt in and, uh, and had their belt on and they at least, you know, looked presentable to go out. Today, I'm telling you, it, it looks like people roll out of their bed and get into their car and go to the store. 
And they don't, they don't dress up. They don't, I'm not even talking about fancy. I'm talking about uh, they don't put their belt on and they don't comb their hair and they don't take care of themselves. And there's a, there's a move in our society to get away from uh, those kind of things. And really, it is kind of a rebellion at heart to move away from neatness. When we lived in Italy, uh, for, for several years, that's one thing that we noticed was that was not the way there. They were still, if I could say it, old school. Uh, and that many times uh, people would dress up to go out, not, not to, with a shirt and tie and things of that nature, but, uh, but people did dress up. And all I'm saying is that our society is changing drastically. It really is, and, and it's becoming commonplace. And, and you and I, uh, sometimes when we go, we feel like the odd duck out. Well, look at that guy. He's strange. He's, he's got a belt on, and his shirt is tucked in, and he, and he looks decent, and, uh, and things of that nature. And we tend to be uh, perhaps the, the odd one uh, many times throughout society because our society has changed so much, and they've, they've given up on self-control and moderation. The word moderation means, um, I wrote it down here somewhere, uh, it just means temperate. It means uh, to, to not go overboard, so moderate in things. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about. And the Bible gives us an analogy to help us understand the importance of Christian discipline. Uh, it is a truly a timeless illustration of running a race. In this passage that we ran, uh, he talks about running a race. And, and I thought, what a wonderful illustration he gave because we still today understand the idea of, hey, running a race. Uh, and it was, it was in Bible times. It was in Paul's day. They understood running a race. It goes even back to the Old Testament. Since the beginning of man, hey, running has been one of the most basic essentials of humanity and that competition and edge to run faster uh, than somebody else. And so uh, it's a wonderful illustration that he gives here in this passage. And uh, as we think about running, uh, listen, there's a discipline to the physical training uh, that certainly can be compared uh, to running a race. And so I want us to look at this idea of, of running and the race that's set before us and, and find the discipline that is described here in the Word of God. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. We'll find the first thing. The Bible says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And the first thing that we notice in this passage is the purpose of discipline. Uh, because he's talking about the discipline of running in a race and the illustration of running in the race. So the purpose of, dil uh, of discipline. And, uh, and as we look at this, the purpose would be the intention. As you look at this, uh, you see, hey, the intention is uh, that they would run, that they, that they could obtain a prize. Um, there's lots of examples that we could give in purpose of our life. Uh, if, if the purpose of your life is to uh, obtain wealth in your life, 
then you would, you would know about investing and you would look up uh, investing, you would look up stock markets, you would look up those things and, and there's nothing wrong with having wealth as long as it's not the God of your life. I've mentioned that many times, but I'm just saying you would dedicate time to understanding all the ins and outs of investing and all the ins and outs of how that uh, works. If your uh, intention or if your purpose uh, was to play an instrument and play it well, uh, then, then you would dedicate yourself to being able to sit down and practice those things and understand how the music works and how this goes and how that goes uh, because that would be your, your purpose in your life. Um, I, I play a little bit of uh, guitar. I don't Actually, I strum the guitar. I'll say it that way. I do not play for those that are technical and understand the difference. I can strum a few chords. But you know what? It's not my purpose. So you know how much time I dedicate to practicing the guitar? Zero. It's not that it's bad. I just, it's not really my main thing. Uh, and it's something I enjoy. Yeah, I don't mind sitting down and strumming the guitar, but I don't really dedicate a whole lot of time to it. That's why I'm no good at it, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and as we look at this, we need to take and understand, hey, what is our intention with our Christian life? What is it that we really want? Sometimes people look at their Christian life and they say, what I want out of my Christian life is to go to heaven, and that's it. And, and listen, the day you get saved, uh, that is a, a promise from God that, hey, you're going to go to heaven. And many people's lives reflect that because, hey, that's all they get out of Christianity. There's no more to it than that. But listen, in reality, there is so much more to the Christian life than just going to heaven. Going to heaven is a benefit that I don't want to lose, no doubt, and you cannot lose your salvation. Going to heaven is not a benefit that, uh, that I, I want to do without. Uh, but listen, living the Christian life is a benefit in and of itself that a lot of people miss and don't understand the ins and outs of the Christian life because they do not have that spiritual discipline and they don't have the goal uh, of living a spiritual life in this uh, world. And so uh, understand too, let me just say this up front, as we look at this passage and the idea of running the race, uh, running the race of our spiritual and Christian lives, the prize is not heaven. Okay, I want to say that up front. I want you to understand we're not running so that we can obtain heaven. Heaven cannot be obtained by our good works or by running a race or by any merit of our own. Uh, salvation and heaven is only obtained by faith in Jesus Christ. That is it. Uh, and through grace that he would love us enough and say, hey, you know what, I will save you. And you'll put, if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, then, hey, you can be born again and you will be saved. Uh, but the purpose of the discipline in the Christian life is to say, you know what, I know I'm going to heaven, but I want to live for the Lord. And I want to get the most out of my spiritual life that I can while I'm here on this earth. And, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, but I want us to understand the purpose. Uh, look with me there in verse uh, 24. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Uh, listen, we are running a spiritual race. Several years ago, 
uh, I decided that I would work up to running 5K. I, I was, I've never been a distance runner in my life. It is not something I excel at. Uh, I was fast when I was younger. I could do the 100-yard dash, and uh, I was fast. But, man, you put me on a mile run, and I die at, at, uh, at 100 yards, and I'm all done, and I'm all washed up. I can't go any further. And, and I end up walking and crawling the rest of the way, and everyone else has blown me away, and I'm, I'm so far dead last, it's not even funny. But I decided I'm going to work up to 5K. And, uh, and so I set out as a goal, and, and I set out, and I started, uh, I started working at it. And, uh, and the program that they did was, hey, walk for, uh, I don't remember what it was, walk for a minute, jog for a minute, walk for a minute, jog for a minute, walk for a minute, jog for a minute. So I did that, and they say, go as far as you can and try and alternate like that until you hit uh, 5K, which is three miles. And, uh, and so I, I worked up to it. Well, after uh, quite some time of actually working at it and practicing at it, I actually got up to where I could run a full 5K. Now, my time was not anything uh, wonderful. It wasn't anything marvelous. I was certainly not at the top of the list by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, but the fact that I had gone from not being able to run a 5K at all to be able to run the entire 5K, uh, I was pleased with that. And, uh, and so uh, what, what took place? Well, I was running a race. It was my focus. It was something that I wanted to work at. It was a goal that I intended in my life. It was a purpose that I had set forth to accomplish. And as we think about running the race, uh, listen, we are running a spiritual race and we need to make it our goal and our purpose is to run that race. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so the idea of running this Christian race is an important one that, hey, we have got to work at in our spiritual lives. And in order to do that, hey, there's some stuff that we have to set aside. When I went jogging and, and tried to run uh, the 5K, I, I tell you what, I didn't get a backpack. Now in the military they do. They give you a backpack and say, hey, here you go, boys. Load it up with all your tools and run out and go run your five miles or whatever they run and, uh, and make them do it because it builds strength. But I tell you what, I, I didn't put on a, a, a backpack. And, and I have a lot of boots. I, I like hiking boots, and I like those kind of things. And I tell you what, I didn't go get my hiking boots and, and strap those on so that I could run a, a 5K. You know what I did? I got sneakers, and, and I got clothes that were lightweight. And I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this 5K. I don't want all this excess stuff. Uh, I, I didn't put my, uh, I didn't get rocks and put them in my pocket. I didn't take extra stuff and, and carry it around with me saying, well, uh, I need this while I'm running. No, my goal and my idea was to, hey, lighten my load so that I could run the entire 5K. And in this Christian life, many times we're gathering stuff along our way that's really not important. And things that really are weighing us down, spiritually speaking, and they're hindering our Christian life. And there's some things that, hey, we just need to set aside. The Bible says uh, setting aside or laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And there's some things that we need to lay aside. And we're not 
competing against one another. The idea is not that, uh, that hey, I'm going to beat uh, Brother Doug in, in this race or I'm going to beat uh, somebody else in this race. That's not the idea that we're, that we're going to race against each other, but that we would run our best for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to run the race. Not only that, but listen, we need to obtain the goal. He says here in verse 24, he says, so run that ye may obtain. What is the prize that we're, we're shooting for? What is the goal that we're shooting for in this life? Let's look at that, if you will. Uh, if you're saved, then we're going to heaven. I've already stated that. Save your spot here in 1 Corinthians 9, as we'll be back here. And I just have a few passages. We won't spend a lot of time, but I do want you to see them in the Word of God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 8. I want you to see these really quick, and we, we won't spend a lot of time on these, but Philippians 3.8, the Bible says this. Paul is, again, writing to the Philippian church, and he says this in Philippians 3.8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win... Christ. Let me stop right there and tell you what's going on in this chapter. He, he's explaining that, uh, that all of his, if I can say it this way, all of his righteousnesses uh, were nothing. Paul said, hey, I am a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and all the things that I have done, hey, I count them but a loss so that I can win Christ. And so the, one of his prizes is, hey, to get closer uh, and to know Christ. And how do we know this? Look at what it says. Because to win Christ, what does that mean? Look at verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, I want to know who Jesus Christ is, and I want my life to reflect that of Jesus Christ. When I was a kid, there was a saying that uh, uh, we, we often would use. It was the question, and the question is, what would Jesus do? And listen, I find myself today thinking, what would Jesus do? Sometimes life throws at us situations, and we're like, what would Jesus do in this circumstance? You know what our goal should be? Is to replicate the life of Jesus Christ. Now, um, don't be like the little boy. Uh, his mom was trying to teach him to, uh, to go down in the in the basement and to turn the light on, and he was scared, and it had one of those pole lights that was right in the center, and and, uh, and his mom said, now listen, uh, Johnny, Jesus is with you. Uh, you need to just go down there and you need to, you need to uh, not be afraid. You need to turn that light on. And, uh, and she, he, he was standing at the top of the stairs and he was milling around and he just wasn't having it. And, and finally she said, now Johnny, what would Jesus do? And Johnny spoke up and he said, Jesus would just say, let there be light and there would be light. We can't do that, okay? But, but uh, listen, many times our life ought to reflect that of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and, and certainly we're not God, but you know what? There's many areas 
uh, that our life should and ought to reflect Jesus Christ. We're running a race so that, hey, our flesh can be, we can become less like ourself and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said that I may win him, that I may win Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In other words, that that could be reflected in my life as we work on spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines uh, being reading our Bible and praying and consistent in church attendance and sharing the gospel with other people and, and not being afraid to speak up of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, uh, and, and just trying to replicate His life. That others would see that and that we would know Him better and have the power of the resurrection in our life. And that's what Paul is saying, that, that we may obtain this goal. And the Bible says in Romans 8.29, uh, For whom, whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And, uh, and so that's what we want. That's kind of the purpose of our, our spiritual discipline. What about the practice? Of discipline. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 9, 24, and uh, or verse 25, rather. And look with me what it says there in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, back at our text. The Bible says this in verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we in uncorruptible, incorruptible. Um, and so the practice for discipline, he says there, striveth for masteries. It is a choice to enter into this race, and it is a choice that we would strive for those masteries. Uh, many times uh, people will quit and give up and throw in the towel. Listen, sometimes I think people thought, think that when they get saved, that that automatically means that this Christian life is just going to be an easy road. Uh, I, I don't know where that idea comes from, but it, it's certainly not Bible, okay? Uh, because, listen, the reality is uh, we've, we've got a, the moment you get saved, you have a battle on your hands because the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. And what we want to do and what we desire, our flesh desires to do, is not necessarily godly or right. And so there is a battle that ensues uh, at the moment we get saved and, and it says, hey, we've got to live right and we've got to do right. And that's the practice of this discipline. We have a real adversary. And again, we're not talking about getting to heaven uh, because the, those who are saved and born again, they will go to heaven. But what we are saying is that, hey, when we get to heaven, uh, I don't want to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he's like, why did you give up on this race? Why did you sit on the sidelines? Why did you uh, stop running uh, this spiritual race in your life? And I look at the face of my Savior and what words could I possibly say to the one who went all the way to the cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood for me? I can't think of anything that I could say. Matter of fact, I can't think of anything that would be appropriate to say. I can't think of any words that would, that would justify 
anything of saying why we didn't do what we did when he went all the way to the cross. It ought to motivate us to say, you know what, I want to run this race and I want to do my best for the Lord Jesus Christ because after all, he saved me and changed my life and I want to strive for mastery. We're talking about the practice of discipline. Look in verse 25 there. He says, uh, he says, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. That word temperate means moderate, uh, moderation. Uh, and that means moderate in the indulgence of the appetites and passions. I was talking to somebody and, uh, and I was reminded as we were discussing uh, just the uh, being temperate in all things um, and being moderate in all things. And, and I, I was challenging this person. I said, hey, I said, why don't you uh, think about this? I asked him, I said, have you ever fasted in your life? I said, not fasted because you didn't have food to not eat, uh, to eat, but rather fasted because you wanted to. What is fasting? Fasting is simply this. It's telling yourself, it's telling God, I am going to go without food all day long. And I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time in prayer. Um, that's fasting. The Bible talks about fasting. It's a biblical thing. And, uh, and saying, you know what, I'm going to skip my uh, breakfast. And maybe you'll, there's lots of ways to fast. You can fast for 12 hours. You can fast for 24 hours. You can fast for three days. You can fast for 40 days. Uh, the Bible talks about all of those things, as a matter of fact. Uh, but, but I was encouraging him, saying, hey, why don't you just take a little bit of time and, and fast for one 24-hour period? And, uh, and what I usually like to do is I would start at night. So if I start, if I stop eating at 9 o'clock at night or maybe even 6 o'clock in the evening, uh, then I would go all night long and all until the next day until 6 o'clock in the evening, and then I might have a little bite to eat at 7 o'clock or something like that uh, before I go to bed. That's a full 24-hour period. What's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is telling your flesh, I am not giving you something that you need because you do need food. But I'm not just doing it. It's an exercise in spirituality to say, you know what, God, you are more important in my life than even something that I need in my life. And, and what it is, it's temperate. It's moderation. It's controlling our flesh instead of allowing our flesh to control us. Many times our flesh controls us. And, and we do things because, uh, because our flesh demands it. And, uh, and many people exercise and, and diet and they'll get a checkup at the doctors and they'll visit the dentist and they'll maintain uh, their physical health. But many times we allow our spiritual health to go by the wayside. Uh, same thing in, 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 man, you could take that and apply it to many different ways. Uh, we main, I, I like my cars, and I'm big about maintaining my cars. I, I think it's important. Change the oil. And uh, when there's my, the other day I was riding with my wife, and, and I said, oh, did you hear that squeak? And, uh, and I said, I think that's probably one of the suspension needs, uh, needs attention. And she said, man, I wish I could just ride in a car with you that you didn't hear anything. 
I said, well, cars break. They just go bad over time. I can't help it. I pay attention to that stuff. And, and, uh, and I, I, I believe in maintaining uh, those things. And, and we'll invest more time maintaining our cars and maintaining our houses and maintaining our own physical uh, uh, flesh. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We ought to. But many times we'll allow our spiritual checkups to go unchecked and unmaintained in our life. And we ought to be moderate in all things. Not only that, but he says in verse 26, he says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Not only are we, are we to be moderate in all things and controlled in all things, but we ought to have a purpose in all things. He says here in verse 26, he says, I run uh, not as uncertainly, so I fight not as one that beateth the air. That's kind of a, uh, a fighting term. In other words, you ever seen those uh, the people and they're standing around and they're, they're shadow boxing and they're practicing uh, fighting and, and there's really nobody out there and you're like, what? That guy has lost it. What's he doing? Uh, he's practicing. He's, he's imagining. And Paul is saying, listen, I'm not one that's just out there uh, that's lost it and, and beating the air, but I'm purposeful in everything that I do. I never set out for a run when I was running those 5Ks and thought to myself, oh, I'm just going to run until I quit. You know what? I always had a set goal in mind. I would keep track. I'd say, well, I'm going to run for a full mile. I'm going to walk for a mile, then I'm going to run for a mile. Or I would set a distance, and I would set a goal, and I'd say, I'm going to run. If, if I went out with no goal, and I went out with no idea of where I was going, I, I, I can promise you this, I wouldn't run very far, and I'd sit on the sideline and say, yep, yeah, I'm done. I was far enough. No, we had to, I had to set a goal. And, and Paul is saying here that in our spiritual life, we ought to have a goal, not an uncertainty, but that we ought to shoot for something. Maybe it's reading through your Bible in one year. Uh, maybe it's being faithful to church attendance. Maybe it's to witness to other people. Maybe it's to spend more time in prayer. But set a goal, have a purpose in your life that says, hey, I want to draw closer to the Lord, and I'm going to do that by exercising these things in my life that would allow me to grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and to run a race that is purposeful, in following the Lord. And then he says in verse 27, as we're talking about the practice of discipline, he says in verse 27, he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. And that would be controlled in all things, temperate in all things, purposeful in all things, and controlled in all things. And, uh, and as I talked about fasting and temperate in all things, the idea of fasting, it's, it's a simple way to practice keeping your body in subjection. And refusing to do something uh, that, that you need. You know, the Bible says when Jesus was talking with his disciples, he said this, um, he said this in Matthew 17, 21, How be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. The disciples had come across a, uh, a demon-possessed man, and the disciples tried to cast out the demon, and they could not. And so Jesus comes along, and he casts out that demon, and, uh, and, and the disciples say, wait a minute, why could not we do that? And Jesus said this, he said, This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. 
It was a spiritual discipline in their life that said, hey, this is so important to me that we're going to go forward and that we're going to uh, make sure that we, are, uh, that, we are, that we are dedicating ourselves to the Lord and saying, hey, I'm going to set aside myself and I'm going to follow God in my life. It was a control of his body. Paul says that I might keep my body and bring it into subjection. Listen, that sometimes that's hard to do on a practical level. Our flesh desires. Um, there's been many a times uh, I've I've was fasting just for a day, and and I, I walk through the kitchen, and and there's a cookie on the counter or something, and and I don't even think about it, and I snag it up and I take a bite, and I was like, oh, I was supposed to fast today. I was fasting today. I already missed breakfast. I already been, and and and, and I just snag a bite to eat without even thinking about it. And listen, in our life, it's so easy just to fall off the wayside uh, in things spiritually. And we've got to be careful. We've got to have a purpose and we've got to maintain control uh, of ourselves. So we see the, uh, the purpose of discipline. We see the practice of discipline. I want you to see the prize of discipline as well. He says in verse 25, we kind of looked at it a little bit, but not entirely. He says in verse 25, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And there is an award for Christians that, that will live right and that will do right. I, I wrote these down, and, uh, and I encourage you to jot them down. We're not going to look at them for sake of time. Uh, but, uh, but there are crowns that we can win. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 talks about the crown of righteousness. Hey, and living a right life... Uh, we can have a, a crown of righteousness. Uh, and in James 1.12, uh, it talks about the crown for enduring temptation. And, uh, and the idea of, hey, following the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are tempted to do wrong, when we are tempted uh, to follow our flesh, and we'd say, hey, I don't want to do that. I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a crown for enduring that temptation and doing what is right in our life. There's a crown for that. There's a crown for righteousness. There's a crown the Bible talks about. I didn't write it down for uh, those who love His appearing and those who are waiting and watching for the, for the coming of the Lord because He is going to return. And, and what I'm saying is there's crowns. And at some point, we are all going to stand before God. And, and this is not to determine whether we're going to go to heaven or not. If you are saved and you're born again, you're already headed to heaven. But there is, a, the Bible talks about us giving an account of ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand there empty-handed. Uh, I want to be able to have something uh, that I can turn around and give back to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a parable in, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 25, and we'll not go there for sake of time, but he talks about uh, the talent. Do you remember that? Uh, when he says, hey, uh, he had given to the one fellow one talent, and, he, and he'd given to another fella five talents, and he'd given to another fella ten talents, and, and then he went away. And then he turned around and he came back after some time, and the guy with five talents said, Hey, Lord, uh, I've gained of these five talents, I've gained more talents, uh, and here's all the talents. And then the guy with the ten talents, he said, Lord, with these ten talents you've given to me, I've gained more, and here's those. And the guy with one talent had nothing to give to the Lord. And he was actually ashamed. He said, listen, I, I have nothing. 
I didn't, I didn't do anything. And the Lord said, you should have at least given that one talent, uh, which was financial, was money, uh, to, to the bank and gained at least interest so that when I come, you could have given just a little bit back. And one of the ideas of that parable is that this, hey, listen, if you're saved and you're a Christian, that, that God has given you many things in your life, and we ought to use those things to better our life so that we can turn around and say, God, I wanna, I've got a crown of righteousness. i got a soul winner's crown of winning people to the Lord. I've got a crown of waiting for your appearance, and I want to turn and give all of those crowns back to you. So we stand before God. We're not empty-handed. We're not ashamed, but rather we could hear the Lord say, as he said to the one servant, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear my Lord say. We're not racing so that I can beat you and you can beat me or we can beat Joe or Sally or Susie. We're racing so that we can, we can do the best that we can. God knows we're not all equal. God knows we're not all the same as far as gifts and abilities and places in our life. But we ought to do the best we can with what He's given us. So that when He does come, and so that we do stand before Him, we can say, God, I've done the best I can with what I have, and here's what I've gained with what You've given me. And I've served You with it striving unto mastery that we may obtain a prize. They do it to obtain a corruptible prize. Boy, the people that invest in sports and all that's included in sports in the Olympics, they'll train, they'll spend a lifetime of, of money and energy and, and things so that they can win the honor of having a gold medal at the Olympics. And there's nothing wrong with that. But oh, that the Christian would strive for masteries, spiritually speaking, and seek to gain something so that when we stand before God, we don't have to stand empty-handed. But we can say, God, I have worked and I've strived to get something so that I can give back to you of all the blessings that you've given in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, run that you may obtain. God, I pray that you would help us in our life. Thank you for saving us first and foremost. God, every one of us, if we've been saved and we've trusted you as our own personal Savior, we've been given blessings beyond compare. What an opportunity that's been handed us have a lifetime dedicated to you, a lifetime to serve you. No matter how much time we have left, God, we have an opportunity to serve. We have an opportunity to do our best for your honor and for your glory. God, help us to be disciplined, spiritually speaking. God, I pray that you would Touch each and every heart. Help us to be disciplined. And God, if there's one here that does not know you, God, may they put their faith and trust in you and start the race, spiritually speaking. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart,
the altar is open. Maybe right there in your seat you want to pray and ask God to help you to run this race for His honor and for His glory.